0: there's people that are fighting for their lives right now and for me there's not a single family member out there who has someone that is in the hospital right now that is thinking this is any kind of hoax at all so for me there's no part of me that thinks this is a hoax or that
1: we should take it lightly from grafton west virginia this is the living unleashed podcast hi and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Renneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization, to work and business, to health, and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex Renneman at Unleashed Tiger, and I'm here with Kevin Deming, pastor of ministries at Chess. Nut Ridge Church, Morgantown, and also maybe you weren't so happy to have is also in your moniker is you have tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, thanks for coming on the program, Kevin.
0: Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah,
1: unfortunately
0: not under these circumstances, but thanks for having me.
1: Right, and and I'm not bringing you on just so everyone knows as, as a sideshow. I mean, there's just there's so much unknown and and mystique around this because it is a novel virus and we don't know anything. We've never had it before and there's all these news reports and everything. And I just thought, man, it would be great to bring on someone local who, who's kind of living through this. And I, and we know, look, you're not a doctor. We've had doctors on this program. They can share all the statistics and what's going on and all that. But I wanted people to be able to hear your story and what you lived through. And it doesn't mean that your story is going to be their story and their, your, how you reacted to the, to the disease is going to be theirs. Um, but I, I just thought it was really interesting. And I'm, I'm really grateful for you. Uh, I didn't know you or just reached out and you were, you were happy to come on. And, and I'm really thankful for that. I think people will benefit from hearing your story. So I really am uh, super grateful and thankful for you, you coming on today.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. And just reiterating that, um, you know, it, my story is my experiences. And I cannot say that everyone else is going to experience things the same way. Uh, and at any point, if any, anyone who is sick or has symptoms, reach out to your doctor and talk to them. Um, and you know, I just think it's so important that we, during this time that we are, uh, uh, keeping an eye on those things and realizing that we need to be communication with our doctors. If,
1: if there is any, any concern that we have. That's right. That's right. Hey, so can we just start, can you just kind of give us your story of how you got it all? Just kind of walk us through that.
0: Yeah. So. On March 2nd, my wife and I uh, went to Israel for a trip on a tour uh, there, and we were excited to go. Her her, uh, father-in-law was hosting a a trip, and so we wanted to go along with them, knowing that they're in their 70s, a little bit, might be one of the last times they go, so we wanted to, to spend that time with them. And right about the time that we were getting ready to leave, you know, kind of the talk of the coronavirus was coming around, and, you know... I remember joking before we left, day before we left with everybody going, yeah, I'll probably get it and come back and be the first one in West Virginia kind of thing and joking around. Just being kind of humorous because at that time we really, it wasn't really in the U.S. a whole lot here and uh, it was mainly just in China and a few other, and other places in Italy. And so when we left, we, we got there, um, all of a sudden it just seemed like every day that we were there, there was more news about the virus spreading and, and, and panic starting to happen. And it was a really weird thing to be in another country and their perspective of what was happening uh, as well. But not only that, there were just thousands upon thousands of tourists everywhere we went. And then I remember we were at uh, Tiberias to see a Galilee down in that area for a few days. And then we we went into Jerusalem and we were, were supposed to go to uh, uh, Bethlehem and Jericho the next day uh, to see that. And they had said, no, we, there are cases, we are closing down, we're quarantining uh, 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 Bethlehem and Jericho and we're not going to be able to go uh, because there were some cases that came up. And so all of a sudden you start hearing these cases and thinking, wait a minute, these are people that are going through here. And then you hear the week before we were there, there was a group that went through from China that went through a tour and every one of them had it. So you start thinking, okay, what is happening? Maybe there are a lot of people. And so for me, it kind of was a, a place where I, in back in my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to get it. You know, it's, it's, I mean, you have, it's a huge country. There's only this many cases. So I'm not going to get it. But at the same time, we were extremely careful in everything we touched. We had hand sanitizer on our hands 10 times a day. We, I mean, you didn't want to, if I, you touched anything, you washed your hands. And uh, before you eat, you wash your hands. After you wash your hands, it just felt like, Everywhere we went, we were just all very careful uh, as best we could, and so um, I noticed I wasn't feeling great on the trip already, so I kind of didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it but on the the day of the the we were flying home on that Wednesday, the eleventh, I was on the plane and I started noticing that I had some of the basic symptoms. My throat had been hurting, my chest was a little tight, I had asthma as a kid, so for me, I kind of understood, well, you know it could be allergies, could be something. And I had body aches and seemed to have a little low-grade fever, Um, something that I was trying to pay attention to. At the same time, I thought to myself, I don't have it. There's no way. I I don't have it. But I was like, man, if I do, I don't want to take a chance to give this to anybody else. To me, I wasn't as fearful of me getting it as me giving it to somebody who uh, would be one of the severe or critical cases. So uh, on the plane ride, it was one of those weird things. Uh, Our plane ride was supposed to be about half to two-thirds full, but with Israel kicking everybody out of the country, uh, our plane was completely full except for one seat. And I just thought this was hilarious. It was the seat was right next to me, and then I was aisle seat. So on the entire trip, Tel Aviv to New York, uh, um, I didn't have anyone sitting next to me. And so, you know, at that time, I didn't know I had it. But in the meantime, I'm thinking to myself later on, looking back, going, man, if I'd have had two people on both sides of me, <clears throat> the chance of both of them having it would have been extremely high. Totally. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. But we decided on the way in, and even in Pittsburgh, uh, driving uh, that flight, stayed away from people um, as best we could. And we just, My wife and I decided that when we came home, we were actually going to just self-quarantine uh, for 14 days. A lot of people on our trip were making that decision, uh, regardless, knowing that kind of we were coming back into the world that all of a sudden there was panic coming. So we we uh, decided to self-quarantine. We actually walked in our doors, had not seen my two 18 and 20 year old sons. And in 10 or 11 days, we had a mask on and we didn't hug them. We stayed six or eight feet away. We didn't hug them. And that was so hard to do. And I'm like, I just can't afford to do that. Um, and so the next couple of days, we kind of stayed away from my sons. Uh, and then I, on Friday, I started noticing that it just was not getting better. And, you know, you go read through all the symptoms and I'm, I'm researching and Googling everything. I can. all right, what's allergies versus cold versus coronavirus. What are the symptoms, you know, and, and just trying to see, and I had all the symptoms, the basic ones, except for one, uh, it says high fever, fever, 100 3. a fever, never got over 99.6. So I'm thinking well, I'll probably don't have it then because they've said every case is a high fever. Um, so I called Friday and uh, to, to the doctors, and they said, no, no, just stay home. You're okay, probably, but still stay away from people. I'm like, okay, we're still quarantining, though. Um, and then on Sunday, I just started feeling worse. And so I called uh, Mon Health and the emergency department. They got me to them, and they said, all right, come in. Let us know when you're there. We'll walk you in the back entrance. We'll make sure you don't talk to anybody. And I went through that, so I got in there, and um, because I had traveled, I was a little bit more high risk. I'll tell you, if I wanted to travel, they wouldn't have, have probably seen me at that point because of the, you know, there weren't a lot of tests at this time. Um, and so at that point, they, they called me in, and they said, we're going to test you for strep throat, for flu, for bacterial infections, for everything. We do all of that. If all of those come back negative, then we will um, uh, test you for the coronavirus, I came back about an hour later after the test came back and said, uh, all those were negative, so we are going to test you for that. So go home. You and your family quarantine. You don't go out. You don't see anybody. So we came home. I came home and um, waited. It was a waiting game. That was Sunday. I didn't hear till Thursday night uh, that I had it. And I got the call. I'll be honest with you. I was convincing myself I don't have it. It's just a bad cold. It's just a science of fiction. It's just this. And I got that call. And just in that moment, it felt really weird. It's one of those things where, wait a minute, this is something that the entire world is talking about. And all of a sudden, I tested positive. So uh, at that point, I was thankful that we had quarantined. I had not been in contact with anybody, nor my wife have. Um, My sons were quarantined since that Saturday, and they didn't even see us the first two days back. Um, so we we were able to keep everybody uh, safe from spreading it here in the area. Yeah, was so but yeah, it was just crazy.
1: I, I, so I, I don't want to miss the fact that you're still not feeling well. And just for everyone's, you're, again, thank you for coming on. Who wants to be interviewed while they're still kind of recovering from a flu and not feeling well, but you got some other stuff going. Can you just give us an update on how you're feeling today and what your situation is now?
0: Well, the symptoms kept going and I still kept having issues and I'm on like day 19 of not feeling good right now. And so um, yesterday, well, Thursday I was, I was getting really tired, Friday and Saturday I couldn't I found myself not ready to hardly get out of bed. I was still running low-grade fever. My body was aching. I didn't feel good. And on Sunday, I decided to call back the emergency department and the doctor i have been talking to and said, hey, I am just not getting better. And they said, come back in. So I went back in. He said, uh, and I really appreciated this about the doctor. He said, look, we're going to test you for everything. We don't want to have our blinders on just because you tested positive for this, that all of your symptoms and everything you have is this. So we're going to test you for a bunch of other things, too. Walked well, back in about an hour after all my blood work was done. He said, "Well, I don't know if this is bad luck or not, but you um, not only have uh, the the coronavirus, but you also have mono." I'm like, "Well, that's great." And so, unfortunately, on top of this, I now have a mono, and I think a lot of that. And we, you know, we were talking before earlier, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, most a lot of people carry that um, Epstein Barr virus in them. And then it flares up based upon low immunity and things like that. And I think that because I've had the COVID-19, <clears throat> my immunity is down. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And uh, so therefore, I think these symptoms of mono have have relapsed. And so now I just uh, it's uh, another two, four, five weeks. I don't know.
1: We'll see. And well, hopefully, hopefully it's soon that you recover and yeah. are feeling better. You mentioned your, your, your in-laws, you mentioned your wife, your sons. Can you share with us what, what, so ha, have, have they contracted it? Do you know what's happening there?
0: Yep. Yeah, um, well, my, the doctor essentially said, they presume that everyone in my house has it at this point. We're quarantined together, uh, living together for two weeks. And as best we're trying to be a part um it's it's one of those things you just expect um that everyone's gonna have it. My wife has had all the symptoms that I had. Um she clearly would have been, would have tested positive. She's actually feeling a little bit better. She's still coughing some and still has some of the milder symptoms, but she's improving. My 20-year-old son also had uh the basic symptoms that we experienced, and the symptoms were really sore throat, chest tightness, um, uh, cough, uh, low grade. We've, all of us have had a low grade fever. None of us have had a fever over about 99, six range. None of us over a hundred. So, which is interesting because at first when it came out, you thought that if you didn't have that, you would, wouldn't have yeah, it. Right. That's, that's something that all three of us, none of us have had a fever over about that. Um, but there's two other symptoms that were really unique and they're unique to all three of us was this headache that comes from the back of your head all the way to the base of your skull. It's really one of the worst headaches um, really painful and it's all in the back of your skull, down your neck area. And then the other symptom was uh, felt like uh, my sinuses were on fire all the way up through the back of my eyes and my, and my sinuses. Mm-hmm. And, and every time you breathe through your nose, it just felt like it was on fire and that would last for hours. Oh. It would last for hours upon hours. And the only way to stop it was to not breathe through your nose basically. So in mm-hmm. uh, all three of us had had those symptoms, um, my youngest son, 18 has always had his a little runny nose and he's been, been great. So he's one of those, uh, probably asymptomatic people who just are not expressing, uh, much symptoms at all. So that's good.
1: Yeah, and that asymptomatic thing—it's something that we were discussing. That that can be a scary part because they—they say you know, folks can can spread it being asymptomatic, and um, and again, we're not doctors, um, we're we're not epidemiologists, but um, at least in your experience, um, you know, it, it it may it may be that it's it's not quite as as violently uh, contagious in that stage. Right?
0: Yeah, I you know, and like like you said, uh, trust your doctors in this. I have heard that it is not from some doctors, but understand this is just me saying this as contagious when you're asymptomatic doesn't mean you can't uh give somebody the virus obviously if you sneeze or cough uh and then they touch whatever that was i mean you're spreading it um but it just is interesting to me that i would have been asymptomatic for two to five to seven days while i was in israel with a tour group of 55 people and thankfully only two other people got it in the whole trip. Oh, wow! So yeah. to me, it makes and those are the two people who would also traveled with us on the day that I, uh, we traveled back. None of the other groups of people that were with us that were traveled from other areas or different flights uh, got it. So to me, it just makes sense that we're probably not as contagious when we're asymptomatic. At the same time, I'm not a doctor and. If, if you've been around somebody that has it, whether you share symptoms or not, quarantine yourself.
1: Yeah, and really, I, I, hats off to you. I mean, you, it looks like you guys really took the wise path and did all the right things. I mean, from what we see from experts recommending, what do you do? Uh, all that data was out by the time you were, when you were feeling this, you were already doing those things, which was really great. Um, have, have you had any outreach from uh, the, the Mon County or the state or anybody like that in terms of a, a contact tracing or something like that? Can you talk about what what's happening there?
0: Yeah, the night they called me um, and said my test was positive, they went through a list of, of uh, you know what flights were on, where did I stay in Israel, what hotels, all of that. So that they reached out to, to those people. We reached out to our, our tour, tour uh, group uh, that we were with and um, let them know. We also reached out to everybody who was on the bus with us, on the tour with us, as well as the tour guide and all of them. And the tour guy quarantined himself for 14 days as well as everybody on, on the buses. And thankfully out of that, just my wife and I and two other people were the only people
1: that, that, that got it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really great. Um, you know, you, you have uh, more, 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 kudos to you for being pretty vocal about your experience and sharing with others so they can explore that coming on here and speaking with us. What would you say to those? I mean, stigmatization, stigmatization is a concern for some. What would you say to those who, who either are, believe they have it or have tested positive? How, what would you offer for them from that perspective?
0: Well, um, for me, the number one thing for me all along was I don't want to take a chance and be responsible for anyone else having it. And so to me, I didn't care whether, whether I had it or didn't have it, whether someone knew or didn't know, it was all about making sure that if I even thought that it was possible, uh, that I wanted to make sure that um, I did as much self-isolation. Well, I guess the word we use now, social distancing as, <laughs> as possible. And I'd recommend if if you are not feeling good and have any of these symptoms, um, you know, just just stay home, stay away from others, do the best you can um, in making sure that we're not
1: spreading this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at some of those statistical uh, graphs and charts to show about social distancing and how it does work. Um, it does seem, I mean, anecdotally, uh, to be having some effects in certain certain countries and other places or communities where you see it's being done versus not. So um, a few minutes of social media or the news, and you will see both ends of the spectrum, some calling it a hoax saying it's nothing different than the seasonal flu. The other folks on the other side, what, what, would be just your perspective? But again, we're, we're not pundits, we're not experts, but you are, you are a guy living it. What would be your, what would be, what would you say to folks that are saying, Hey, this is a hoax. It's all overblown. This isn't a big deal.
0: Well, I would probably say it's somewhere in between, <laughs> you know, both of those, but, uh, as a hoax, it's not a hoax. I know that, that, um, it gets, it gets in our minds thinking, wait a minute, why do we have to go this extreme? What can, it isn't going to just, uh, you know, it's just like the flu and, and you kind of go back and forth on that. And the reality of it is uh, that once, and that's one reason why I actually uh, went online and posted that I was, um, I had it is I had not seen people that I knew saying they had it. And so Mm -hmm. if you don't know someone personally that has it, in your mind, you're going to go to a hoax. I don't know anybody who really has it. Is it really that bad? Um, but, I mean, I just know here in our state already we're seeing the effects of, of it. And the, the nursing home here, Sundale Nursing Home in Morgantown is just devastated by it. And, and of course, there's a couple other counties and, and places in West Virginia that are getting hit hard with this. And, and there's people that are fighting for their lives right now. And for me, there's not a single family member out there who has someone that is in the hospital right now that is thinking this is any kind of hoax at all. So for me, there's no part of me that thinks this is a hoax or that we should take it lightly um, in
1: that. Yeah, well, and and thank God that that so far you guys are doing fine, and yeah. you know that's not the case for everybody. And you and you have some of those risks. You know, you said you had, you had asthma as a kid. You know, obviously mono's hanging around in there. It's maybe crept back up. Um, so so that's really great news. I th- with Easter coming and some of the talk of uh, you know whether on the national level or anywhere else. Um, obviously, what a, what a symbolic moment would be for everybody to get together and worship together on the day the stones roll away and all those things from a Christian perspective, but. But, man, um, that seems, by what the doctors and the experts, the epidemiologists out there, Fauci and others, are telling us, um, it seems to be a challenge. You are a pastor of, of the Chestnut Ridge Church Pastor Ministries in Morgantown. Uh, what, what can what, – a man of god a a guy go living through this what what advice can you offer to folks that are struggling with their faith and with the one of the ability to want to want to fellowship and worship together, but also in the midst of this 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 virus that that is highly contagious and could be really really dangerous and lethal for for many folks in our our demographic
0: yeah that's a great question i I do understand i understand the the value of gathering together and being with people to celebrate and, and, and worship God in that. I think that that there's a a lot of value in that on the other side, we're also learning that there's that the building isn't what makes it special. We can worship God at home. You can worship God in your car or, you know, wherever you are. And for us, we're, we're seeing for the first time, thankfully we have the technology to do this, Mm -hmm. but for that we can really connect just like you and I are not in the same room here we're connecting and having a conversation like we were. And I think for us to realize that you can be together with people because of technology without being in the same physical space. So my encouragement is, is really, is, is to really consider that. I know that there was a a church in in North Georgia, uh, Cartersville, Georgia, actually that uh, one of the churches kind of exploded with, with cases where they had over 40 people as a smaller church and had over 40 people get it because they had a choir member who, who had it. Uh, man, you know, and and you know that 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 person at that point they didn't know they had it, and they weren't trying to expecting that to happen, but um, you know we just don't want to see that happen. And, and right now it's, this is just for a season; it's just for a period of time. We're going to get through this, and in the meantime, we have the the capacity to to worship together via online for whatever church you may be connected with, and if you're not connected to church, you're able to find one that you can engage with and, and be able to, to see the services and be a part of it uh, as if you were there. I know it's not quite the same, but it's still, it's a great, great, great thing we can do with technology today.
1: Yeah, and it's a great point. I mean, we live in a world of seasons and that's a really great call. Out. This is a season and it's, a, for some, it's a scary one, some it's a little isolated, but it is a season, we, we believe, based on all the data that, that keeps coming about, that this won't be forever. Uh, but right now, uh, it, it, and we can, sh- we potentially, we can shorten the season by following the guidelines now, as opposed to this turning into a longer uh, drawn out affair. That's really, really good point. Um, you know, staying on the, on the theme, you know, Christian minister, um, Jesus often spoke of hope. And I, I, in any moment like this or anything else, I always like to look for What's, what's, what, where's the silver lining? What's value out of something even as scary as this pandemic is and, and, and clearly people are dying and, and more people will die. Unfortunately, um, it's gripped us all, but, but what can you, what can you point to and, and being a, a guy also who's had it himself, what can you point to as, as hope or, or some silver lining through all this?
0: Yeah, there is a particular verse that just, I've clung to, uh, for the last two, three weeks here. And it's, uh, Romans 12, 12. And it says this it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. And to me, those three things is really are really the things that I'm resting in. The idea of joyful and hope. And it's not hope that I'm not going to get sick because that, that doesn't work for me, you know. Yeah. It's not hope that you know your life is going to be exactly the way you want. It's not hope that that everything is going to be exactly how we want it to be. Instead, it's joyful and hope that knowing that if I have a relationship with Christ that I will be able to live forever with God in heaven. That's great. But then what about now? I think you can be joyful and hope today too. hope that, that no matter what we go through, uh, God can use that to encourage someone, you know, the pain and the struggle that we go through can help and come alongside of someone else who also has that. So I'm joyful and hopeful that, that out of this, you know, when we come out of this, we're going to be stronger as a, as a state, as a country, as a world, uh, we're going to be able to, to be better because of what we've gone through. Now, to say all that, there are still families and people that are going to lose loved ones. And that is going to be a heartbreaking scenario. And it's hard to find hope in that. And that's where you have to rest in the eternal. But, but for us, as we're working through this, the hope isn't that it's all going to look exactly the way we want. The hope is in Christ and who he is. And to me, then the, the other one is patient and affliction. Um, It doesn't matter whether it's the the COVID-19 or whether it's uh, a seasonal flu or whether it's it's something else in our life, we will experience affliction. If you live long enough, you will experience affliction. There's going to be sickness, there's pain, there's hurt, there's struggle. And in that, um, I think that we can learn to be patient in that, to see, God, what is it that you're showing me? Uh, Who are you making me out of that? How can I be a better person out of that situation or that thing I'm going through? And so for me, it's being patient and going, all right. You know, I thought I was about ready to get through uh, this coronavirus. I was ready, ready to be cleared in the next few days. And next thing I know, now wait a minute, you got another one, and it's something else. But I am thankful. I'm very thankful that my family's okay and that uh, we were we took the precautions we needed to not spread this to other people. And so thankful in that. And then the persistent in prayer. And this is one is knowing that it isn't just prayer that we won't be sick. It's prayer for the people, for strength, for encouragement, for people to, to experience God in this moment, in this season is prayer for our healthcare workers, for the people working in these grocery stores, for the people in our, our uh, you know, police and fire and our city officials. And, and for, for the fact that we have, um, you know, you, all your, your postal workers and your grocery stores and restaurants and just all these people that are going to work that are keeping things going for us, praying that they had the strength praying for them and knowing that, that a lot of us can stay at home and work, but for them, they have to go in and they're facing this fear and they're, they're in the middle of it. So be in prayer for, for them and for the families of those that are, are do have loved ones in the hospital and in severe and critical conditions. So for us, it's, it's 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 doing those three things: it's being joyful in our hope. Hope is in Christ; He doesn't change, no matter what happens around us. Patient in our affliction. What is God doing? How is He going to grow? And then persistent in that prayer for people uh, that 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 are on the front lines who are out there experiencing this, and that people would also come to faith
1: in Christ through a, a tough time, a tough season like this. Awesome. Kevin Deming, pastor of ministries at the Chestnut Ridge Church in Morgantown. I am really, really grateful for you coming on and speaking with us about your experience, uh, being so honest and candid about uh, what you're thinking about things. And um, I'm grateful for your health that you're that you are you are battling through this, and your family seems to be doing well, and that you took all the right precautions early on. And uh, I wish you the best. And uh, you know, thank you again, and uh, you know, take care. All right, thank you.